the word in there is the agape. It's the stronger. It's, it means unconditional love of that that is not based on um, performance. And so what Jesus is saying there, three times he says this in Scripture, not just a one-off random thing. It's something that Scriptures felt needed to be re- repetitive for our understanding. It says, agape yourself, agape others as you agape yourself. So there's this call of Scripture to obedience, to love yourself. A lot of us struggle with perfectionism. Being hypercritical of our situation, our friends, our work, and ourselves is encouraged by our culture. Many would say it's what drives us to do better. But what if it mostly just drives us to exhaustion, anxiety, and depression? Perfectionism, never feeling like anything is good enough, always feeling like you need to do better and accomplish more, is like running on an endless treadmill. And worst of all, it's motivated by fear. But what if we were motivated by love rather than by the fear of being less than perfect? Before we join Gary and Bob, we'd like to take a moment to let pastors know about the Church Leadership Conference, It's Time to Believe, with Gary Wilkerson, Carter Conlin, Tim Delina, and John Bailey this October in Jacksonville, Florida. Head over to tscjax.com, that's T-S-C-J-A-X.com, and check out their events page to learn more. Now here's our host, Bob Dimmer. Well, welcome to another Gary Wilkerson podcast, and uh, we're going to talk this uh, this week in this podcast about self-compassion or uh, taking care of yourselves or how we feel about ourselves. Uh, how would you define, I guess, to begin with, how would you define self-compassion so we'll, everyone knows what we're talking about? Maybe start with the opposite, uh, self-hatred, self-loathing. Um, <clears throat> When you evaluate your life, which I think we all should do, you tend to think in negative terms, disappointment, disappointment with self. Um, you'll use phrases like, uh, I'm not enough, I'll never be enough. Uh, if only, you'll use phrases like, if, if only I could be perfect. That's where perfectionism comes from. <clears throat> we'll talk about it later in our time together, but that's almost every ailment, or as the Bible called every sin, comes come from some source of this. So, so starting off the definition is, is looking at the flip side of it. Is it's it's a very negative, dark, depressive, discouraged, <clears throat> downcast uh, mentality. <clears throat> so you look at the opposite. Then you have um, it's not positive thinking, and it's not <clears throat> selfishness. It's not being self-absorbed, and that's that's where the Christian world gets this wrong. <clears throat> the word self very sadly, very tragically, has, has been denoted as being um, in the category, almost the same category as sinful, wretched, lowly, despisable, despicable, to be nothing but put to death mm-hmm. self. Um, and there is, a, there is a element of self that I understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't want to walk in the, in, in the ways that I just discussed, too. Yeah. So sin is not just... So this is strange. Sin, sin are these discouraging things that I've just told you about, the, the opposite of self-care and soul care and um, self-compassion, <clears throat> these negative opposites. To me, you know, I, growing up in church, I grew up in church, and, and I heard a lot about certain types of sin. Um, <clears throat> don't be arrogant. Don't be lustful. Don't be angry. <clears throat> but these other type of internal problems and maybe even sins that we have, uh, self-hatred, Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's unbiblical. Mm-hmm. The Bible says, "Don't call 
what I've made clean, unclean. Mm. Okay, so <clears throat> so we have just as much a biblical obligation to resist the devil when it comes to uh, the self-loathing, this this woe is me, the uh, perpetual worm mentality mm. that <clears throat> I can only please God if I continue to see myself as horrible, wretched, miserable, no good, worthless worm that I am, and he, by his grace, covers me, and that makes me acceptable. But inside, I'm still that worthless, no good, unlovable worm. I think that's a him. As a matter yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. And I understand that. Yeah. I understand the mentality of such a wretch as I am. And I can say that. And I can say there's worminess to me, and there's wretchedness in me, and there's sinfulness in me, and there's there's despicable parts of me that I don't want to be like, but that's not who I am. Now, some, some Christians will, will, will differentiate this by saying, yeah, I understand that before I was a Christian, I was a wretch, and I was hopeless, and I was worthless, and I was no good. And, but now that I'm Christian, I'm not that wretch anymore. Now I'm washed and I'm cleansed. Mm-hmm. So you made a good step in the right direction. I've been examining lately, taking it a step further, that there is a sinful wretchedness in a lost soul um, but it doesn't mean that that's a worthlessness to the to to a, a human being has value and worth in God's eyes, even a non-Christian human being. He died before he died on the cross. There was nobody that was a Christian that that made Christianity available to us. So he died for a whole world that that we we in our uh, puritanical historical worldview of Christianity that is attached to. Uh, this morbid sense of you always have to despair of yourself and don't think of yourself uh, in any good terms. <clears throat> We're missing out on the value. So, so you know, you can see out here, I don't know if they can see with the cameras, um, but, the, you know, there's beautiful trees and there's a little pond there mm-hmm. and I have hawks that fly by mm-hmm. here and every once in a while coyote. And um, when I look at them, especially the little baby ones, I don't go like, that wretched baby coyote is like he bites rabbits and such a, you know, he needs to be put into hell immediately. Mm-hmm. I, I look at it beautiful, like, uh, what, a, what a charming bird, what a beautiful song. Okay, and, and, and Jesus says, if, if I care for the sparrows, how much more for you? Mm-hmm. I think when he's saying that, he's saying, I, I value you. You are worth something to me. So I think, uh, um, I don't know, do you, do you, have you noticed that there's, there's kind of a, a tug? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I, I am worthless, but I'm kind of not too in God's eyes. It's like and we kind of live in two different worlds, don't we? With mm-hmm. that, uh, do you ever get any put when you speak on this topic and talk to others? Do you ever get any pushback and they say, "I'm supposed to deny, I'm supposed to die to self. How do how can I have self compassion mm-hmm. if I'm worried about self? How, how do you answer that? The things you're supposed to die to are are, are certainly classically listed in Scripture: um, lust, greed, avarice. Um, uh, Self-centeredness, mm-hmm. even um, living for self. Those, those are you put those things to death, along with self-hatred, um, and and how do I know that? Well, just as it says, you know, don't be drunk with wine. It also says, love your neighbor as yourself. I had always assumed the word love there couldn't mean you know the different um, uh, Greek definitions of uh, or Greek words for love. I always assumed it had to mean the phileo, the brotherly love. Have a brotherly love for others the way you brotherly love yourself. That makes no it's, sense, it's does it? Warm. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. It, the word in there is the agape. It's the stronger. Mm-hmm. It it means unconditional love of that that mm-hmm. is not based on um, performance. Mm-hmm. And so what Jesus is saying there three times, he says this in scripture, not just a one-off 
random thing. It's something that scriptures felt needed to be repetitive for our understanding. It says, agape yourself, agape others as you agape yourself. Mm -hmm. So there's this call of scripture to obedience, to love yourself. So it's not... This is not Oprah Winfrey speaking to you here, you know, or Tony Robbins. This is this is not self-help, pop psychology. This is not warm and cozy new cozy new age therapy. Mm-hmm. This is scripture. This is Bible. This is the heart of God. God our Father loves us, cherishes us. So while we were yet in sin, he rescued us, he saved us. And when he saved us, he didn't leave us as a worthless, no good, worm um, to be despised, despicable in his sight, but Jesus covers us, so that makes us somewhat acceptable. Mm-hmm. We are acceptable by the blood of Jesus, but the blood of Jesus has cleansed us, washed us, made us new, a new creation. That's the whole new covenant. I'll take out your old heart, and I'll put a new heart in you. So mm-hmm. would, would we surmise from that that he took out an old, wicked, corrupt, self-centered heart and then decided to put the same heart in there, but just this one's going to be saved because you get to go to heaven because you prayed a sinner's prayer. No, he changed us. He transformed us. He renewed us into his... We were in his image, and there's value and worth just by being in his image. So any of my neighbors that live around here that don't know Jesus, I don't, I don't look at them, and I don't think God looks at them and says, like, they are worthless scum. They're despicable in my eyes. I think he looks at them and says, I love you, I create you. You're missing the glory of God. You've fallen short of the glory of God. There's sin in your life that's separating you from me. <clears throat> and and that, is, that is diminishing the value that you were intended by the God-given. So you have the image of God, and it was marred. It was diminished through, through sin. <clears throat> uh, uh, and, and we have the sin nature in us. And, <clears throat> but that doesn't mean there's no worth or value. Once we're, when we're saved, <clears throat> there is... Um, it's almost like a, maybe an analogy would be uh, a woman has a husband who has a drinking problem. <clears throat> she still loves him, and they have some good times together. They can go on vacation. They have a nice meal together. But it really troubles the marriage that he has this drinking problem. <clears throat> he, she still loves him. Now he gets he gets sober and clean and life transformed, and and uh, you know he's five years sober now. She still loves him, but there's something new in that relationship. Mm-hmm. That's minuscule compared to what God does in our life mm-hmm. in transforming us, but that <clears throat> he loves us before and he loves us after. I think it's just basic human dignity, mm-hmm. uh, basic human compassion. On, And so if we as Christians don't have that on other people, we say, like, you're a worm and you're despicable and you're worthless, and we're loving. that's how we're loving them, love your neighbor, mm-hmm. As yourself, what are you going to do yourself? You're going to be, you're going to be feeling yeah. like I have to stay in this again the perpetual worm mentality, and that's the only way God will accept me. Um, uh, and uh, and I think you know, you know, you're you're asking the questions here, but I'll ask one myself. Um, to me, if I were to ask myself, I think it comes from um, a false worldview, a false Christian view of. Um, who we are now in Christ, not understanding that um, that that, that <clears throat> having love for yourself, the copying yourself, is not um, being selfish. It is not being self-absorbed. It is not being self-centered. <clears throat> As a matter of fact, the opposite is true. The more you have the agape for yourself, <clears throat> it's the, you're able to give it 
So my heart, my mind, my soul, my spirit doesn't, um, God hasn't designed it to where it comes in compartments. Like this comp- compartment uh, can love you, but this compartment hates them. It's like <clears throat> if, if there's bitterness in our heart, resentment in our heart, it, that's, a, that's like a toxin. Mm. That's like if I have cancer, I can't say, you know, I, I, only, I have only cancer in my, you know, my arm here has yeah. cancer. No, I, I have cancer. And so to have bitterness, to have resentment is a toxin that affects that. So, <clears throat> so if I have agape on myself, I want the best for me. Like I would want, so if somebody had cancer, I would want them to not have cancer. If someone is doing something in their life that diminishes the glory of God as who they are, they're, they're not loving as they could be. They're stuck in an addiction and they're not free. <clears throat> uh, I, I want to serve them and to bless them, to love them. I very rarely go up to them and say, like, oh, you're, you're miserable. You're, you're really filthy. I don't want to be around you. But, but who, who do I do that to? You do yourself. I do it to myself. Yeah. yeah. You had made the comment, uh, you gave a message to one of our staff devos, and uh, you made a comment that I, I thought was very interesting in that I thought, oh, I do this too. I make a mistake, and the first thought that comes in your mind is, oh, you're so stupid, you say to yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this really does play out mostly when we're dealing with mistakes that we make and faults that come upon, come upon us. Is that when, when mostly our self-loathing comes into play, do you think? I think it starts a lot earlier than that. <clears throat> and again, I don't want to get too therapeutic here, but I think we do have to look at history and where, where all this stuff starts. Mm-hmm. There, there is a... There, there, you know, if you can get to the root of something mm-hmm. and pull it up from there, then you've solved it. And so a lot of these are, uh, have <clears throat> roots in, in, even early... And so some scientists have just recently studied babies, you know, because they can do so much more with sonograms mm-hmm. and wiring of, of, of babies. And so they studied in, in utero babies. And if the mother is, uh, if they show her scary pictures or whatever, her heart uh, rate goes up. The hormones that are uh, fear-induced uh, flow through her body. And they test it in the baby. And the baby gets it too. Mm-hmm. The baby's heart rate goes up. They, that baby gets that same kind of... Uh, fear-based hormones or depression hormones. Um, and so even before we can speak or in some ways think, we are already being emotionally affected by the world around us. And, and then if you jump ahead to uh, some uh, other uh, studies, uh, socialists, socialists, socialists uh, what's the word? So, so, social science studies. Social science. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have done at old age, you know, somebody that's been married 40, 50, 60 years uh, and their spouse dies, but they're in good health. And they, but uh, a vast, large number of them end up getting sick and dying mm. within the first year. Yeah. Uh, and it has to do with this, this need for connection, this need for love, for intimacy, for uh, affirmation. And so if you don't get it as a child, even if you don't get it at an old age, all throughout our life, you're meant for this, this, this sense of, of connection. And um, I don't want to get too complex here, but if you, if you are looking for that connection with, from, from, your, from the womb, and as you start, as a child, you stop getting it, mm-hmm. um, you, you kind of trade off uh, authenticity for this affection. Mm-hmm. And so your, your parents might say, um, you know, Something as simple, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but you, you have to. Uh, you're going to go to bed without any dinner. Uh, if you don't, if you don't, uh, um, you know, straighten up, sit up straight in your chair, and stuff like that. Well, the kid wants to be himself. He wants to, 
you know, kind of play a little bit mm-hmm. in his food. And so he's constantly being like lorded over to be this perfect child. And he realizes if I if I'm not perfect, then I'm not going to get mm-hmm. the attachment. And mm-hmm. so uh, and, and so attachment is more vital to a child. So a child more than any other mammal or animal, um, the human being, even though it doesn't have the long, longest gestation period, like an, an elephant would have a longer yeah. time that the baby's in the womb, mm-hmm. but the human being has the longest time where the baby is totally dependent upon the mother. Mm. And so that's the, the, the need for attachment is, is strong. And a, ch- and a child inherently in God-given way knows that. And so the child will, will mm. if, if a choice comes between attachment and authenticity, being yourself. So uh, uh, now I'm going to make sense of this here. That's a lot of talk for. <laughs> here, here, here's the the point. If if I am um, authentically rambunctious, but uh, attachment is withdrawn when I'm rambunctious, and they say, you, know, "You go to your room. I can't believe you're like this. You're such a disappointment." You you realize, okay, I can't be that way. So I need attachment. That's I'm I'm built for attachment. I choose attachment, and I will give up authenticity. Mm-hmm. And so we, we spend a lot of our lives not actually being ourselves, not comfortable with ourselves, feeling like everything we're doing is wrong. That's mm-hmm. where perfect, perfectionism comes from. I, I can correct this sense of worthlessness, this sense of never being enough. I can correct that if I'm perfect, if I'm a performance, if I'm like a monkey who claps and everybody mm-hmm. applauds and my parents see that and they mm-hmm. finally now they give me that attachment that I've been looking for. In them, and that's why people, even my age in their 60s, are still going to counselors talking about my mother didn't, mm. my father talked to me this way. There's still that need for that attachment. Yeah. Uh, it's and so <clears throat> to, to get to the point there of your question, it, 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 it <clears throat> these things don't come sort of like just because um, I got a bad grade on a test. Um, so one person get a bad grade on a test and go like, okay, I'm gonna try harder next time. I can pass that test. Another person will go like, oh, I'm so stupid. I, I'll never amount to anything. Uh, I'm going to be a failure the rest of my life. I can, I'm not going to finish college. And they go through this self-worthlessness and mm-hmm. self-loathing. Well, <clears throat> why did one come, you know, maybe genetics? I don't know, to some degree. But I think more so the sense of um, <clears throat> how they were brought up. Mm-hmm. It's not to blame the parents. Those, those parents themselves probably were brought up in ways that they... Couldn't. Yeah. They were looking for attachment that they never got. They were looking for love that they never got. They were taught <clears throat> the only way you get love is to perform well, to get a good grade, to be a good athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, uh, even in the Christian world, to be a good preacher, to be a good prayer warrior, to go to church every Sunday, uh, <clears throat> and we project that onto God. Even we, you're you're like my parents. You're like my earthly father who demands me to have perfect adherence to your will so that you could accept me i i can't attach to you unless i'm i am <clears throat> performing well i can't be authentic and that's why so many christians are phonies and mm-hmm. uh because they, they're not able to be real they're not able to tell god or others their struggles and their pain and their failures and that's so we hide things and we cover things and and we put on fronts to be and that's why church gets the, the reputation mm-hmm. of hypocritical uh, so so god is not like our father, mm-hmm. and his attachment is not based on um, us being inauthentic. In other words, if I'm authentic, if I'm myself, if, I, if I'm really hurting and I, I come to him and say, God, why did you do that? I don't understand God, it makes me mad. He's not gonna detach and say mm-hmm. like, okay, you have to spend 
he doesn't do timeouts. Yeah. 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 But I guess the difference that you just explained uh, does explain a lot of it. One is one is motivational, as we talk to ourselves. Mm -hmm. and to, we want to do better, but we do it in such a way that motivates us to do better. The other, it tears us down, is if there's something inherently wrong with us. It's almost like the difference between sorrow and shame. Yeah. You never want to shame, right? But right. we shame ourselves, mm -hmm. which doesn't seem like it would be very beneficial in any way, any sense right. or form, would it? No, no, it doesn't. No. The, go ahead. So uh, what do we do then? How do we, how do we change that? If you have people who are you kind of instant, it's the first thought in your head. I did something wrong. Oh, mm -hmm. you're so stupid. I just uh -huh. can't believe I did it. How do we change that mental thinking so that we stop treating ourselves in a loathsome way, but rather in a mm -hmm. motivational way? Uh, start, starting point is recognizing you're doing that. <clears throat> Listen mm -hmm. to that voice. Um, we, t we tend to hear it and then try to quickly like rebuke it and, and deny that it's there. I'm so stupid I thought that. Yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you're, you're spot on. Um, rather than receiving it, saying, like, okay, wait a minute, I, f I feel this about myself. Um, this, this makes me feel weird about myself, but as I'm here, I'm talking about <laughs> self-acceptance and I'm feeling weird. But <clears throat> this, uh, I don't understand like the conscious and the subconscious, but I, I, I have noticed sometimes I am talking to myself. Mm. And so <clears throat> the other day, as I forgot, my lost my passport and I was saying, I'm so stupid, I can't believe I lost it. It's so important. One thing I had to keep, mm. you know, such, and I, I was calling myself an idiot. Mm. And all of a sudden I, I caught myself, it's like, okay, I'm hearing this voice saying, I'm such an idiot. You're such an idiot. You're so stupid. Why do you do? And I'm thinking, wait, there's somebody saying that. And then there's somebody listening to that. Uh, and uh, I know this sounds weird, right? Uh, the, the person saying that is the, the voice of the accuser. It's, it's, and everybody goes immediately, well, that's Satan. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely. But it's also yourself. Yeah. And it's also your history. Mm -hmm. And it's also your school teacher. And it's also your father. <laughs> and it's also... It's a chorus. Yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the thousand voices yeah. screaming, pointing the finger at you. You're not enough. Mm -hmm. You're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. And so you make one mistake and it, all that history uh, undealt with builds up. So the first thing you have to do is, is recognize it's there. Uh, um, I can't, you know, you can't just say, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus and it goes away. You can't just sing a worship song. These are things that people have tried. You can't just commit to longer seasons of prayer. You have to realize, okay, there, there is self-hatred in me. I, I am disappointed. When I think about my life, I'm really disappointed what I've become, who I am, mm. where I'm headed, what I'm capable of doing or what I'm not capable of doing to recognize that, that it's there. I think there's some work involved here. Again, this is what the, the ancient uh, Christians in the Desert Fathers called soul care mm. or, or cure of souls, uh, that there's a soul that's wounded. And so there's a reason that that voice is coming up. And to, to, to do some soul care, to find out where that voice comes from and what it's actually saying. Because it's not just saying, you're stupid, you'd lost your passport, you're stupid, you failed the test. You're saying, at the core level of who I am, I'm not enough. And, and everybody has um, a core wound that has its own voice. Um, so for me, I've identified mine. Mine is, I, I'm never enough. So no matter what I do, that wasn't enough. This podcast... It's just not enough. I, I wish I'd have said something better. Mm. Uh, I, was, I didn't sound smart enough. I didn't, and so it's, if I don't sound smart enough or if I didn't preach well enough or if I didn't um, write a good enough article, those are all the external elements of the core issue inside of me. I'm, I'm just not enough. So I have to realize those voices come from this source of not enough. Mm. And then, and then the, the, the next, so I'd say the third move then, and these are all movements that don't happen 
it's not going to happen and listen to this 30-minute podcast. Mm -hmm. Like, listening to this 30-minute podcast could set you on a six-month, a year-long journey of examining this. When do these voices come? What do they say? What is the underlying root of that, okay? What is the deeper wound? Okay, I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. uh, and then... And then realizing the fallacy and the frailty and the futility of of our efforts to try to cure that, to heal that wound, um, <clears throat> self-talk that is opposite to critical talk, and then you just have a war in your head, like, I'm stupid. No, I'm not. I rebuke that. <laughs> yes, you are. Who you wins? Know, yeah, and then yeah, and then uh, then they put you in an institution. <laughs> So, so it's, it's not enough. And, and sadly, so many people are living their life in self-help, which is insufficient in, in itself, um, or even going to churches that every Sunday it's kind of to prop you back up. Like, okay, you hate yourself and you're down on yourself, but you can, you can rise above it and you can make, you know, you're good, you're sweet, you're kind. Say it to yourself, everybody now. Yeah. It's like, and so you've got these people sort of like parrots saying, I'm good, I'm sweet, I'm kind, I'm loving, I'm, I'm enough. I'm, but they don't believe it. Mm. And so the, the healing won't come through any external measure. Uh, it won't come through self-talk. It won't come through uh, reading a book from uh, maybe the Bible, but uh, you know, a self-help book that, that has information about how good you are. Because mm. you won't believe it. Because at the core, you say, I am this wounded child who was detached and, and my authentic self was rejected. And so... That's who I am. That's just the core of who I am. And until that thing is dealt with, there's no hope for the externals. So, so what I'm saying is get rid of any hope in external measures. So, so if I'm saying to myself, I'm not enough, I'll never be enough, but, but that's too deep. That's too deep a wound. You can't, I can't exist that way. So I have to compensate for that. So, okay, what do I do? How do, how do I become enough? Well, you know, being enough has a little bit to do with my own family issues, um, and so I want to please my family. And really a good way to do that is to be religious, to be spiritual. Mm. So if I pray and if I preach and if I start a church or if I go on a mission trip, that then, then I'm finally being enough. <clears throat> I do those things, and I, after I'm done doing them, I go, it's still not enough. I still don't feel, I still feel worthless. I still feel like I'm never enough. I still feel like I'm unacceptable and unlovable. So I, I redouble my efforts. And this is where Christians get exhausted, frustrated, downcast, discouraged, um, even end up in depression. <clears throat> they try all these things. If, uh, and it's, um, it's, I call it the uh, when I, then I. Uh, when I preach well enough, then I'll be happy. <clears throat> when I uh, draw big crowds, then I'll be happy. And then I'll feel like I'm, I'm, I'm finally enough. Uh, when this podcast reaches 50,000 people, then I'll be enough baloney that's a lie and it's, and it's and it's the worst thing that you could build your life on i call it a false construct you're constructing your life on the sand as jesus called it and and and, and sadly so many people are building their whole life when i get famous when i get rich when i get the right wife when i get that new house when i get that new job that, that i'm constructing a whole life to try to get that and when you get that it's not enough so if this podcast goes to 10,000 viewers, then I'll, that's not enough. I still don't feel, I need 20,000, I need 100,000. And there's no number that's enough. 
uh, pastors that pastor churches that I work a lot with, their church, you know, they always wish I could have a church of 500. And then they get that. It's like, ah, oh, it's so small. You know, and it's, it's, it's never, if you feel like you're never enough, nothing else, external validation will ever prove to you that you are enough. So, you'll, and you'll never be healed of that internal wound until as long as you are having the idol of the external validation, the idolatry of saying, my God is this thing. Yeah. My God is money, success, fame, good looks, mm -hmm. achievements. If that's your God, you're not going to get healed by God because mm -hmm. uh, you're kind of left to your own devices. You're building your own world. It's a house on sand, not on the rock. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> Jesus comes and he says, you know, I'll destroy this temple for you. I'll, I'll knock it down and I'll rebuild, I'll rebuild it. Uh, it's hard. It's painful. You get to the place of saying, like, I don't know, man. You know, so I'm thankful that I did this when I was younger, but you could you imagine being my age, 60 now, mm -hmm. and just discovering this and going like, so you mean for the last 40 years I've built my, constructed my life for fame and success yeah. and glory and applause and approval of man, and now you're saying that's all a false construct? Mm -hmm. That's painful. That's 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 shattering. That's like, that's gut wrenching, uh, angst of soul that says like, oh, I can't believe it. But but. Even at 60 or 70 or 80, it's worth saying, oh, wait a minute, I have some time left, mm -hmm. and, and I can still move this house from the sand to the rock, and I could, I could live out the rest of my life, whether it's 80 years or 10 years or, or six more months, I can live the rest of my life on a new construction, a, a new platform that, <clears throat> that is not trying to convince myself that I am loved and accepted and valuable and worthy in God's eyes, uh, not of who I am, but who, he's, who, who he, in, in his image, um, then I have, I, I'm not trying to talk myself into it. I'm not, uh, it's actually, it actually, it, it, it is not something I'm trying to be, it is something I am. And so I think the follower of Jesus has, to, and the work he's done on the cross, when we say it is finished, we have to understand our sanctification is not finished. We're still growing, we're still, and it's not necessarily evil to try to have a better career or uh, get more people to watch your podcast or mm. have your church grow or your business grow. That's that's great, mm. but it can't be your soul. It it is your work yeah. and because in, in your soul to to. So when I finally got to the point some years back to be able to say, oh, I'm I'm not trying to be enough. Uh, I I I really am. I'm just the way I am. I'm acceptable. Just the way I am. I'm 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 lovable. I'm not. A wretch. I'm not to be despised. I'm not to be jettisoned off on the uh, into oblivion. Uh, attachment is available to me, not based on anything else, but then just that who he's made me to be. And that <clears throat> lastly then brings up again. I know this is a long answer to your question. That lastly that brings up then this this amazing thing that says, oh okay, now that I am at peace and there's a contentment and there's a joy, then who you really always wanted to be. So uh, can can spring up in creativity and vitality. The real you comes up and it's beautiful. He's like, wow, where have you been all this time? Because when you've been trying to do this money, fame, success, glory, honor thing, you've not been your real self you, and you've been struggling. You've been doing all that stuff you've been doing out of like, I'm not enough, but I'm going to prove it. And the world around you knows you're not who you really are. You're being this false self. And they're, they're, they're picking that up and they're not feeling love. They're not feeling 
your generosity. They're not feeling your creativity. They're not feeling your grace because you're not giving it. You're not agapeing yourself. Once you start agapeing yourself and saying, I, I, I love this. I'm not perfect and I'm going to grow a lot and I want to change and I want to think about the needs and I want to repent of my sin. But, but at, at my core, there's something in me that has value and merit and worth and, 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 is, and is, uh, is, 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 it's worth saying, this is, this is good. God did something good here. Giving up the things that make us feel secure or valuable is scary. It can feel like we're giving up a piece of ourselves. But in reality, the peace and life that God gives us in return is far, far better. Our lives will be transformed when we trust God with who we are, accept His love, and follow His direction. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, sound design for this episode by Mike Hallsmith. This episode was written by Rachel Schimitz. Our producer is Chris Wigington with video production by Aaron Gale. We hope you tune in next week to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast to hear a continued discussion about the importance of caring for our souls. Until then, do all you can to live a better life and make a better world through Jesus Christ.